0: So welcome 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 this is frank Lewandowski with the just a couple dudes podcast uh, i am solo today and i am very fortunate to rekindle a relationship from over 10 years ago i have Heba on you want to say hi. hi Heba? hi yeah.
1: hi everyone
0: so first um
1: podcast for me
0: first ever which is first usually one. pretty common with with our podcast and um is also our good woman segment so i've known her for 10 10 plus years we used to work at USAA. Um, we were both sitting at a desk plugged into a computer all day long, 10, 10 hours, hours a day. Oh my oh, God. I, I remember Heba, when you were like bundled up all the time.
1: Oh yeah. My blankets and my my blankets and jackets and the heater and the heating pad because it's yeah. like zero in there.
0: You you look so um, comfortable. I well, was like, you
1: have to. It's freezing in these buildings.
0: Yeah. And you get 10 hours and we were doing outbound, right? Yeah. So we were calling people outbound to see how they're doing. So calling people when they're busy and they're upset and like, you do this four days in a row, 10 hours a day. I'm like, I don't think this is what human beings are supposed to do.
1: No, (laughs) no, no. And, you know, it's interesting because in therapy that actually came up and it was part of like a traumatic experience where there's this anxiety before each call because you don't know who's gonna pick up, what their mood's gonna be like, what they demand of you. And you do that all day long, minus a couple breaks, and then you go home and it's so late that you just wanna crash, but then you're up early another 10 hour day. It was, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot.
0: Yeah, it, is, it was tough, but um, we rekindled on Instagram basically. Uh, and you're pretty vocal on there, I think in a very positive light. And I wanted to have you on because you are our good women segment. So you are awesome. a, uh, a wife, uh, a yes. mom of three kids, five-year-old yes. twins, one four-year-old, uh, yes. a woman who's overcome a ton of adversity and helped others without a voice. I think that's like probably your main, one of your main passions is, is speaking for others, is bringing up things that people don't really want to talk about, but that need to be talked about. Right.
1: Well, I think it's a little bit difficult in the world today to have an opinion because you get bombarded with either negativity, um, strong opposing opinions that aren't always, you know, said kindly, written kindly, and there's a lot of emotion behind our screens. So there's been times where I get, you know, very into a topic and I dive deep in it, and then there's times where I find myself kind of shutting down from anything that. possibly be controversial and during that time in my heart and in my head I'm still committed to all these topics just on social media you know I give myself a mental break from any negativity out there because it does affect you as a mom and a wife and you know kind of the energy in your home and I am the energy of my home I'm the foundation of the home. So if I wake up and I'm not in a good mood, trust me, the whole home is not in a good mood. And if I'm happy and I'm good, then the whole home is happy and we're all good. Um, Cause you know, we're the base of the home as a mom.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think uh, moms are what has kept society afloat. You know, so many moms have done so many wonderful things. I mean, moms went from the fifties to now they're, not only are they working just as much as men, they're, you know, they're being even more successful now. Absolutely,
1: and they're, raising and they're still families. carrying the household. Yeah, they're still carrying the household while they are working. Because I have several friends who are working moms, and you know, they they work all day. They still have to come home and cook dinner, and laundry, and all of that. Um, you know, the only mercy they have is not having to be home with the kids all day long, because that can truly really be nerve wracking at times and exhausting and thankless, and so many things. Um, but you know, it's not, it's, it's one of those topics that does get controversial. And as a stay at home mom, you're belittled for not doing enough or helping your husband or providing to society or whatever people think and say, um, you know, and then as a stay, I was a working mom, you get criticized in your own ways, but honestly, we're just doing our best. Every single one of us, we wake up, we commit to whatever we can that day. We cry in our cars. Whether you work, you stay at home. You cried in your car. You've cried yourself to sleep. You've cried yourself after a load of laundry. You forgot to dry. I mean, we're humans, but we're superhumans, you know? And as a mom that does stay home, I try as much as I can to offer help to the moms that do work. Like, hey, if your kid's sick, I'll pick them up. I actually have a couple of friends. I'm their emergency list contact. So if their kid needs to be picked up, I'm that person i appreciate that's that's huge
0: yeah because we have a a, you know a growing trend of you know single parent households which i can't can't imagine you know it's just like having two heads versus one it's just going to be better to have someone else to lean on when you're down you know your partner can help and be up um i i think it's really unfortunate too that you know stay-at-home moms do have that stigma you know i think when i was young i was like very naive and ignorant when I was really young, I was like, well, it must be nice to stay home. You know, like, cause I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever I was 16. Yeah. I was like, must be nice. But like, you don't understand that, that, that is a full-time job.
1: You know, absolutely. Is- I had a conversation with my husband recently. I'm like, honey, how many loads of laundry do you think I do a week? And he was like, I don't know, seven, eight or something, I guess. And I was like, uh, 22 loads of laundry. <laughs> so like- those have to be washed. They have to be dried. They have to be separated. They have to be folded and put away. So, so that all that magic happens while you guys are at work and while you guys are at school. I my mean, my kids judge me They're like, Mama, what did you do today? I'm like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I'll I mean, show
0: you. Let's come do it right now because we got yeah. ten hours of laundry to do. Yeah.
1: Actually, you know what? Every week we do a load to their two little loads of laundry, and every week they fold and put it away. And I plug in little like strobe lights and put on music and turn it into this like disco party in my bedroom on the floor. And they fold their own laundry and they put it all away.
0: It's oh, amazing. Awesome. So Good have a uh, <laughs> some other transition I wanted to go to if you don't mind talking about was your, no, kind of no, some no. pregnancy struggles you had. I think that's a beautiful thing.
1: Oh um, God, that like, that's, that needs its own hour of podcast. I think so. Um, I just wanted
0: to talk about how obviously you could tell that you love being a mom. And I do you know, because of going out of your way to, to get medical intervention and stuff, you're able to have this gift of life and yes. you like, I think found what you were meant to do.
1: You know, it's interesting. Cause I, Facebook memories showed me a memory I wrote 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it said like, somebody asked me what I want to do for a living. And I said, I want to be a stay at home mom and wife. And it's like this part of me growing up just felt that way. And You know, unfortunately, when I was really young, I couldn't just go into college and get a career and get out of it. I was on my own at a very young age and had to get a job, which led to another job and led to another job. And it wasn't what I wanted to do, but the financial career path in, you know, finances worked for me ended me up at USAA. You know, I was livable livable income, so. um, But truly just being a mom and a wife for me is fulfilling in you know seeing you know my children's behavior or seeing you know being able to feed them the foods I want to feed them or just they're they're just my things that I want to do and other moms have their own things and those are their beautiful things and this is just mine and um, we're also very thankful and blessed that you know my husband's income is a livable income um, at the beginning of our marriage, it was very, very difficult. His business was still a baby. Our marriage was still a baby. and Our life was still a baby. But we really had to sacrifice a lot for me to continue to be a stay-at-home mom. And... Um, Sorry, question over time. I kind of went off on a different no, tangent. No, it's okay. It's
0: okay. I love this the genuine response. That's what we want, right? We want people to feel like this is just a regular conversation. Which yeah, is. I'm a
1: storyteller, so you're going to get a story Good. I want, a little... I want stories.
0: I want stories.
1: The challenges in my pregnancy, um, best thing, that was the initial thing. Challenges in my pregnancy, when I was about 13 or 14 weeks pregnant, I woke up and there was, you know, things going on with my body that should not have been happening. We rushed to the emergency room and they said, you're miscarrying your twins. Mm -hmm. Of course, we freaked out. Then I end up calling um, my fertility doctor who actually was working that day himself at the surgery center. And he said, come see me. And he said, yes, there is a tear in one of your amniotic sacs, and leak fluid is leaking from that baby. You need to park it. So from 13 weeks, I delivered them I was on the strictest bed rest
0: and in between that
1: I went into labor several times and you know had very a lot of difficulties and I felt like half of my pregnancy I you know spent in the hospital but as a mom you really feel like you'll do absolutely anything from the moment you get that positive sign to do anything to protect these babies. I would literally rub my belly when I'm like upset or angry or stressed and just say, protect yourself, protect the babies. Protect yourself, protect the babies. And it would just calm me. And I'm a high anxiety, high nervous, panic attack, crazy person, you know, most of the time. And during my pregnancy, I like naturally calmed myself because I was like, I can't stress these babies out. I can't stress myself out. I need to hook them, you know,
0: that's, that's amazing. Cause you have, you know, a lot of women that, you know, can be chronic smokers, for example, love to smoke and then just instantly stop, yeah, you know, absolutely. or drink or whatever. Cause they, there's like this natural instinct that kicks off. that says, I need to protect these babies.
1: Yes. And it's like everything you do, like even I'm like, okay, so this store is not in the best location. I'm not going to go to that store or I, you know, I'm going to be very careful driving, like just everything about you. Like I notice the way I drive when I'm alone and when I have the kids with me, you know, not that I'm a bad driver, but I just notice just a shift in who I am as a being. And that's in everything, everything, because they watch you, they hear you, they copy you. Like I hear the attitudes come out of my girls and I'm like oh that's absolutely my tone <laughs> my habit. words and my attitude just seeping out of them you know mm.
0: so no, I so not only did you do with IVF right yeah. because you were you were told that you weren't gonna ever have kids
1: yes I was 23 right. stage 4 endometriosis surgeries tons of um medications injections you name it I did it I did a Uh, Lupron injections for 24 months, which is no doctor in Houston I've ever seen since then has understood how, you know, I was given that much of Lupron. Um, But, you know, again, my everything I did even prior to marriage, prior to babies, prior to everything with my body, I did with the intent of one day having children. That was it. So I pumped medication in my body that could have killed me. And, you know, it was given by a doctor and it's fine, but it was, I just did everything and anything I was told that can help me to possibly have kids one day. And then after twins, I'm 10 months with these twin baby girls, not feeling normal, take a couple of pregnancy tests. And I have this miracle child that like, I'm going to cry saying it, but like, I say that, like, you know, God heard my prayers and, you know, gave me my twins, but then he, like, felt my heart and gave me my son because he's just the perfect fit in our family. And since he was born, he's been this, like, funny clown of a kid with such an uplifting attitude. I mean, he drives me nuts. Don't get me wrong. This kid is like mama's boy to the max. He drives me nuts. But he just looks at me and smiles, and that's it. The whole world just instantly is still in that moment, you know? (laughs) so the challenges that come with all of it gave me these angels, these miracles, you know, these beings that I never thought I would have, you know, the biggest gifts in my life.
0: I mean, I think that's amazing, right? So a lot of times people get pregnant when they're not trying really, right? Would you say yeah. the second pregnancy, you were just kind of like, you were probably super happy you had your twins. So you were like Absolutely. anything extra is going to be the sprinkles on the cake.
1: Well, it's funny because the the weekend I believe we conceived him was the same weekend. My best friend Angela and her uh, husband were, or fiance at the time, were visiting houston in that same weekend so i think it was just a really happy weekend i'm like my best friend in town i'm in a good place you know and i have these babies like i think the blessing of that weekend was like just an overwhelming weekend and we had so much fun like mind you this is my best friend that would come over to my apartment from friday after work until sunday night almost every weekend when i lived in phoenix alone before i got married And so imagine going from that to like your best friend is, you know, thousands of miles away. So when she came to visit for the first time was that weekend. So this kid was like an ultimate miracle coming from that blessing, you know, and so I was in a very beautiful place in life. And even though I was mortified, I mean, I had these twins by myself, took care of them by myself while Steve left at eight. 8:30 8, a.m. and wouldn't come home till 11 p.m., midnight, 1 a.m. trying to build his business and trying to do anything and everything he can to keep pushing it forward. You know, and he's pushing over there and he's busting his butt and I'm at home busting my butt with our babies and there was it, it was we were both very stressed out. It was a lot, but we were just blessed at the same time, you know, very blessed.
0: That's, that's a great story. I think something really neat right now is that COVID this year 2020 has been really tough on everyone and something that we're starting to see is maybe some light at the end of the tunnel, especially with COVID and the economy seems to be like picking up again. You know, it's busy. It's just busy here in Phoenix, like all around again. Um, But something I'm noticing are COVID babies. Yes. Right. So
1: many COVID babies. Oh, I love it though.
0: So it's kind of like the baby boom, right? After World yes. War II, you know, you had a, a bunch of babies, basically, because you had all the- Well, men what come else are people
1: going to do? I
0: mean, I what well, else are you
1: going to do at home, stuck at home for seven, six, seven months?
0: Monopoly, <laughs> I guess. My husband
1: worked through all of it. He, he literally worked, he worked seven days a week through COVID, because we mm. cannot lose our business. But yeah, there's tons of COVID babies coming up. So 2021, we're just going to have this surge of children
0: i know it's really exciting and i just think it's good to see you know because life is like a the circle of life you know in the lion king like we don't always talk about it but there is a complete circle you know where people are born and then die but it's beautiful to see these new babies come in because it gives us new hope and new light
1: absolutely and it just shows that
0: people are you know still anticipating a good future uh my baby sister's pregnant i'm super excited for her thank you yeah so i'll be another uncle um I didn't realize I liked kids really until uh, my nephew was born. He's five years old now. And the first time I held him, I was like, I was like, Oh wow. I like
1: babies.
0: (laughs) I didn't know, you know, until I had that bonding moment and I was like, Oh, I could be a dad. Like,
1: yeah. And also like, I think you're also older, you're more mature. You're, you're coming to this place in life where you're like, you know, whatever's coming, I'm ready for now, mm -hmm. you know? So if you, Relationship, marriage, kids, whatever—you're you're in that path, I guess.
0: Yeah, it is. Would you say faith was a huge thing to keep you kind of going? Faith. Faith. Faith.
1: Faith, like religious faith.
0: Yeah, or like in God just, and, and things like that. Like, like, would you say that that helped during low times?
1: You know, I can say that there was definitely times where I'm just like, okay, please, God. God to me is more spiritual. It's more energetic. It's more. Positivity positive vibes light. Um, I'm not anti religion. I think religion is beautiful. Every religion has its beauty. There's a lot of cultural aspects that take away from that beauty. And that's kind of what changed my view on the faith that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think it's absolutely um, I grew up Muslim. My parents were Muslim and I, I was raised Muslim um nothing against it i don't say i'm not muslim but i don't say i'm practicing either but my i'm just more spiritual that's kind of where i'm at and i believe in you don't have to have a label to be a good person to be caring and loving and giving and so my religion is love really so if you on my facebook again like my facebook my religion has been love for the since i've owned facebook for 14 years 13 years already And I go back to that. That's my religion. It's love because I don't care what language you speak. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what your beliefs are, your faith is. as long as you're a good person, that's it. You know, and I always try to teach that to my children too. Like, you just have to be, you know, a good person. I mean, kick butt if you need to, but be a good person.
0: I think um, what is hard is, are the labels yes. because you know, no matter what, like we have to fill out any government form. It's like, we have to be labeled. We have to say yeah. we're this or we're that, or we believe this. And it's like, I know they're trying to track us and whatever, but it's like, since like third grade, we're, we're being yeah, taught know, to be labeled.
1: What's more interesting to me is as a Middle Eastern person, I'm a hundred percent Egyptian. And and the first time I asked somebody, what do I label myself as they said white. And okay, I mean, I have no problem putting white, because after that, I think it's like Hispanic, black, and then other, I guess, what would I put other and then Middle Eastern? But every time I've asked, and I specifically ask, and it's, sometimes I ask questions just to get opinions, or just to get thoughts, or just to get another view. And every time I say, you know, I'm Egyptian, what do I put? They say white. So I don't know how accurate that is.
0: Yeah, and I, I question, too, like, what is white? Yeah. You know, like, I'm Polish, Irish, Italian. You know, back in the day, that was more, like, segregated. Like, this is the Irish people, this is the Polish people, this is the Italian. Yeah. Like, we become more and more mixed, so it's becoming more and more nuanced. Yeah. And it's like, so what are what are you? Do I have to do 23andMe? And somehow, you're looking at percentages of what you are, and even that's nuanced. You know, it's yeah. like... Yeah,
1: or they ask male or female, or, don't, or or don't know, or don't... Like, there's a couple other ways. I'm like, okay, I get male female other but like the don't know is like what are they what kind of answer is that i just i don't know what do they classify it as whoever's grasping this information Mm
0: -hmm. and i think again that labeling starts very early like it starts in the grade school system like i remember a third grade teacher would have a situation where it was like well if you think this go to that wall if you think this go to that wall you know what i mean like so you'd have kids go to different different wall depending what they thought. And that was taught very early. And I'm like, well, it's not always well pick a side. Unfortunately, there are many things that say to pick a side, but I've always liked to try and fight labels and fight. Like, I don't like being told what I am. I'm just Frank. Just Frank. That's all I am. And, and We, think- we
1: change so much over time that I can be blue yesterday, but I'm pink today and I can be orange tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm a fake person, but maybe I grasp some information between yesterday and today that changed something in me, mm-hmm. you know, and people don't, they forget that. They forget that people evolve and change and life experiences make people change and they stick to that label, whether it's in themselves or on others, and they just stick to it.
0: And let's go, let's go to a different topic. Let's go to immigration a bit. So your husband is a first generation immigrant. Yes.
1: So he moved to America with his mom when he was uh, 15, 16 years old. And then I'm first generation as well. Where my parents um, came to America in the eighties. And they, after getting married, they came to America.
0: Wow. So does that give you a different perspective, like kind of on America and kind of like I mean, being a first generation, there's actually a term called immigrant work ethic. It's something like that. I don't know the exact term. Mm-hmm. But when you see first generation uh, immigrants, anytime that you immigrate or migrate somewhere, you have this unbelievable work ethic. Like, I feel well, so lazy.
1: I I can absolutely see that in my husband. I mean, my husband has... Missed important things in our life as parents or as whatever and I my important my important is different than his important, obviously, and you know, and now seven years into marriage three kids I. oh, I hate myself sometimes for looking back and thinking I judged him and I was not the nicest wife and I cried and I caused drama, you know, working so much and so hard, but he saw an opportunity and he just it keeps going at it you know and he just keeps working so hard for it and honestly it's for me and the children you know because he works so much he doesn't take it he doesn't benefit from any of it it's me and the kids that you know live a beautiful life because of his hard work my dad worked two to three jobs our whole life growing up to provide um seven days a week. I mean I don't remember him being very present in our childhood because of that and I think it just comes from a lot of times in our countries what job you can work comes from a lot of your your could be from social aspect like a social status aspect or it comes from certain grades. So in Egypt if you get between if you if you graduate high school with a c average you cannot be a doctor or a lawyer, cannot. But in America, I can graduate high school with a C average and still go to college and still become a doctor if I want. I have that chance. They don't because they are a C average graduate. That's it. So the opportunities there are so much less than here that when they, see, when they come here and they're like, I can go to college and be a doctor. I can be a doctor. I've always wanted to be a doctor, but I can be one then they go for it. I can, I can own my own business. A lot of those places, again, like even in hospitals, if you have cancer, you have to pay cash for your, you know, your, your chemo or whatever. Otherwise you don't get it, you know, and here, so there's that. Um, I don't know a lot about our countries and I'm ignorant to it. So If I say anything incorrect, someone please correct me, because I never lived in Egypt. So it's just the things that I hear from friends and family that they share that their family members are struggling with, Uh um, because that's where I'll, you know, chip in some money to donate to that family, because like $100 sometimes can go further in Egyptian pounds. I don't know, still does, but sometimes whatever, it helps a family out, so I'm going to help. So they just see the opportunity here. You can get a loan and start a business. You can, you know, do whatever you want, you know, and you can do it. And they want to provide. They want to live the nice life. They want to drive the nice cars. I mean, we get teased like Arab money, you know, you probably heard that before too. That's another label, right? Arab money, and they've teased you about it because we like, we drive the nice cars, but we, they don't understand. A lot of people don't understand how hard Certain people, you know, have to work to get that same car that Joe Smith, American, you know, born and raised, owns as well. You know, not saying that he didn't work just as hard, but there's sometimes it is more difficult. Because my husband had to come to America at 15 years old; he had to learn English.
0: Oh, that's, that's well, really he, difficult. He had, he
1: had to learn how to speak English. Mm-hmm. And so, and I met him just a few couple years after he came to America. So there would be some terms that he would say that I would tease him about, but, you know, he, it's not his first language. It's his third language,
0: actually. Where's your husband?
1: He's Armenian, um, but he also speaks, he speaks Armenian, but also speaks fluent. He's super fluent in Russian. He lived in Ukraine.
0: Oh, wow. One of my best oh, friends is from Ukraine. That's cool. It's a whole different world over there.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like stuck in the 80s, he talks about like, it's like way, way back. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, that's just it. It's hard to have like a worldview grasp. You know, like we all get kind of stuck in our own little world sometimes. Like I'm guilty of that. Yeah, privilege for sure. And that's why I have to like, I have to like look at other areas of the world. I have to look at other um, situations and be like, very humbled to be like, you know, like my day was bad because I got cut off or my tire blew out. But like, I still have running water. I have electricity. Yeah. I have three hundred megabytes of internet. You know, like, yeah. it's like okay, my bed goes up. You know, like, yes. like this. Yes. You know, it literally goes up. Like, I, it's not even necessary. I don't even use it really, but like, that's really nice. You know.
1: Yeah, we're so privileged.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's hard because, you know, something that I've struggled with was was social media. Like you talked about, you talked about the negativity that comes from, and I've had to take a break from it because it's like a constant. Cycle and you you it's constant comparison, you know, I've
1: I've been that negativity. I've been that where I'll post something and I'm angry about it and I'll post something that's, you know, you know, they're they're just that person's terrible. I've done that, you know, and I think that's part of being human too, because there's times where I go back and I'm like, eh. I mean, I kind of still feel that way, but that was an extreme, you know, post, for example, or something, but we're human. Yeah. and i think a lot of times we forget that we're we're human there's so many parts within us as a human being
0: i think it, it's difficult too because we're like so many things are changing right now yes.
1: doesn't it doesn't seem
0: like so much with technology yes. um with covid in school like your kids are back in school right
1: yes they're back in person in okay. school since august 3rd
0: oh that's that's really nice that's actually really yeah. early. yeah because yeah, a lot of our really kids early. aren't in school yet I can't imagine.
1: I can't, I cannot. I mean, mine are still four and five years old. So technically, I could have kept them home another whole year Mm -hmm. without any uh, government repercussion, like, you know, repercussion to that besides their own, you know, mental, you know, whatever learning. But I mean, it's hard. Their school is also very intimate. It's like five classrooms, six classrooms large. 2022 20, students maximum. I don't even think they have that many now. They might have like 10, 15 kids a class. So I don't know. As a parent, if I had to put, and we also chose private school. There, that's what we cho- choose to put them in. I don't know if we had were a public we were a public school family that I would have felt as comfortable sending them in that early. Um, I, I'm a big believer in masks, but I'm also i'm thankful that my children's school does not does not require the children to wear any masks i'm Mm -hmm. very thankful for that the teachers do wear them i'm actually helping the school right now try to find a mask that is clear so the children can see the teacher's mouths, and we're trying to find one that's breathable so if anybody out there knows of a mask that is clear and really breathable please let us know because i really really need to find them because it's very crucial for the children to see the mouths of these teachers
0: yeah, it's, how they, it's how they communicate
1: especially the young under even i mean my kids can already communicate they're good but the, even the younger kids the toddler age between mm-hmm. 18 months or younger than that all the way up to two years two and a half years they have to see the mouth It's crucial for them
0: mm-hmm. yeah because so, they, they get scared from the mask right like when i come into a room and i see a young kid i i do see them be less um like open to be in there. Does that make sense? Because as a provider, I'm already like, they already don't like me, you know, sometimes because they, you know, they've gotten shots or something else like that, or, you know, look in their ears or whatever. So it's, it's really hard with kids because, you know, they don't want to see you in a mask. Yes. They want to see
1: your face, your expressions. That's what gives them the comfort Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for sure. So yeah, my children have been in school. They're doing really, really well. Um, They're loving it. They're loving it. It is hard for other children who don't have the option or at least their parents are also worried about COVID and keeping them home you know it is the hardest decision a parent has had to make this year is figuring out school because yeah, you're your there's children, a lot of judgment there of uh, yeah absolutely you know what the judgment can i just be honest The judgment is not as much as I thought because I think every parent realizes that no matter what direction you go, you're doing the right thing for your kid.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So am I a hundred percent confident with my decision? Absolutely. But am I still worried every single day? Yeah. That can come home, you know, with any of us, that can come home to any of us, to me, the kids, you know, I, but, we're just doing our best to keep them clean, keep them safe. The school is doing a phenomenal job, which another, it gives me another reason to feel more comfortable. And I'm glad my children can go out and interact with other kids. I'm hoping that s- schools will either open up around the country and just practice safe distancing and safe socializing, or parents who do virtually learn, um, find a way for their children to socialize safely as well so whether it's like you know meeting in a park but 6 feet apart from each other in you know circles that they draw on the ground or something but for a way for their children to interact with others there are so many ways
0: i think some good things that came from covid is understanding that we don't have to just do everything the same yeah so when you have school there are kids that do better at home you know maybe yes. that's just more how they're wired or they have the yeah. resources to to be at home but if both yeah. parents are working and they don't have my sister right now is having to teach her, her her kiddo um, while working.
1: Uh, That, that part to me is insanity. That part to me is insanity because there's still, because you're, and also like work, some companies are still expecting this like ultimate performance from stay at home parents. And, you know, don't give room for them with children being home as well. -hmm. You know, because if I even if I had to keep the kids at home, I don't know that I can teach three kids on my own. You know, we would have to probably go through our budget and see if we can hire someone to come and help me Mm -hmm. or ultimately come and teach them. But that's not something all all parents can afford either. You Mm -hmm. know, it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. But even parents who do have who do are in that circumstance, like your sister. Some of them are still worried to even send their kids. So there's that on top of other challenges. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's been hard because it's been so divisive in general, just with every topic. It's been either this way, this way, then against each other. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a pro-life rally. You know, you have one side of the fence yelling at the other side. I'm like, I don't know what good is coming from this. Like, you know, it's a tough topic. You're just screaming no at each other. A lot of hate, a lot of anger. But
1: well, I mean, there's so many topics going on right now, and some of them are are turning political to me, and I'm like, why is it red or blue? This is just a humanity topic, mm-hmm. and so why is I don't? That's the part that just throws me off, and that's where I'm like, okay, I that's kind of where I check out because I'm like, I'm not associating with parties, but I support this cause. And I don't want to be associated with part, any part, either parties because I support this cause. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that as well.
0: And what, what causes have you supported?
1: Um, I support Black Lives Matter as a cause. I know there's issues with the founder or the president or whatever. I, I don't agree with, that's turned political, obviously. I don't agree with that. But I mean, obviously I support every Black woman, man and child in America. Um, immigration is a big one Um, when you know certain topics come up about closing the borders for just a certain religion when they close it only for Muslims and I've spoken strongly about that women's rights obviously Um, I, I, I talk a lot about just being a mom and children in general I don't know if that's necessarily a political or topic but that's something i do touch on because i've learned a lot in therapy and i try to share that information slash be involved in it somehow if it's out there Mm -hmm. helping others feeding others anything i can do i mean i've done so much during COVID as far as you know being there for families that have gotten COVID, or husband was sick or something just to even provide a meal or something i've done what i can basically
0: it's been a good time to, to see the, the benefit of giving back, Absolutely. you know, it's like during the tough times we need to stick together during the tough times we need to, you know, innovate and look yeah. at, Hey, what can we do? You know, like when you're down or not having a good day, um, like when I don't feel as good, I'm actually more empathetic. Yeah. Like it's a direct correlation. The most empathetic I ever am is, is when I don't feel as great, you know, yeah. and like, it's like, maybe it's like that's you a feel sign. someone
1: else's feeling with you. You're like somebody else, somebody else feels this way. I can do something about it.
0: Yeah, and it's like if I'm gonna feel bad, I don't want other people to feel that way. Yeah, you know, there's something about that, and we're wired to to do that. We are. um, Whether that's especially when you're empathetic.
1: Some people aren't as (laughs) empathetic. Some people aren't don't have much empathy, or it's a very. I mean, it's hard for a lot. It's hard for me to understand people who have the not my not my problem mentality. So somebody's hungry it's not my problem i'm not hungry but i want to do everything to feed that person and some people don't have that need or want to feed that person Mm -hmm. so that's i think that's where i struggle with other people personally i'm like how would you not want to feed them
0: well it's egocentric right so in america when we look at a photograph the first thing we look at is ourselves if you go to like china or you go to japan something like that they look at a photograph they look at all the crowd in the photo Like they're taught very early, not to just think about it from their own point of view. Um, In America, we're just kind of wired. You know, first of all, it's a survival thing. Like you want to make sure you're good and your family's good, right? And then you kind of work your way out. But it is weird how empathy isn't always there and just an open mind to be like, well, it's okay to say there's a problem here and let's see what we can do to make it better. Instead of arguing, is there a problem? Like, why are we arguing about these things? It's like any of these topics, even climate change, yeah like instead of arguing about it let's just say hey i'd rather have cle- clearer skies less pollution what can we do like yes. instead of arguing about whether the wildfires are 100 percent from this or 100 from that it's like you make such a complex topic into such simple like divisive answers and it makes no sense and it gets nothing done
1: it gets nothing done actually it makes people it, it, so if they're they're trying to come to a middle but they're they're, try, they're trying to make the left under let's, I don't want to be political, but they're trying to make, person A is trying to make person B believe what they believe, and neither one of them are convincing each other, but at the same time, they're also going further apart when the whole reason they're supposed to be talking is to try to come closer together, Mm -hmm. and that's why nothing is getting done in the country, because everyone seems to pick a side. And when they pick a side, they go so deeply into it and further apart from the other side. But at the same time, both people want the same thing.
0: Yeah. People are, what I've done recently in the last like year is I've actually gone into these social media threads a little bit and like talk with people when people post, like I'll challenge it, you know, and not in a bad way. I'm just trying to understand. Yes. You know, I think initially it was more to get my opinion across because I think I'm right. And then I stopped and I go, no, I want to understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, you have a valid point too. Like we may both be a little different points of view, but we both are very similar in what we want. Yes. Like I would say it's a very similar end goal, you know, and like, it doesn't have to always be, you don't always have to be right. And you don't mm-hmm. always have to be the last person uh, talking.
1: You know, that's actually been a huge life and learning lesson for me during COVID because of all of this. Cause I found myself, you know, thinking about COVID, Black Lives Matter, people who are hungry, people who are losing their jobs, millions of Americans, unemployed, and all of a sudden I'm like drowning in all these topics and nothing's being done about them. And if you talk to anybody, then it's like, they can go look for a job. Oh, COVID isn't real. Oh, Black Lives Matter. They're only looting and and robbing people. And all of a sudden you're, and then, so I took a step back and I'm like, okay, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people who believe this view that's against mine right Mm -hmm. so i sat with i probably spent the past two three months and you've probably noticed it on my instagram as well where i'm kind of in the middle where i don't know that what I believed was true, but what I'm hearing also doesn't feel true. I don't know where the truth is, and I'm trying to find the truth in both sides. Mm -hmm. So the more people try to understand, like if you're a hardcore Biden supporter or you're a hardcore Trump supporter, go with the most open mind, without your own views, without your own agenda, and sit with that person, make a list of topics you feel the strongest about, ask their opinion, and do nothing but listen. And that's pretty much what I've done.
0: And what's your experience been?
1: My experience has been that I have been able to kind of understand that those people more and understand truly why they feel the way they feel and believe what they believe. And before I used to be like, they, they can't, are you kidding me? That's really what they're, what they think, but or that's what they believe. And then all of a sudden you dive deeply into that person and their thoughts and their views. And you're like, I don't agree with you, but I absolutely understand why you believe that with your whole heart. So I don't judge you anymore. Believe it, believe it. I believe what you believe for you, you know, and then at the same time, I've, I've kind of come from my view and been like, well, I'm, I'm st- I don't think I'm right or wrong, but this is what I think. And that's okay too. And, it's, and that they're thinking the way they think and that's okay, you know? And I understand them now and that's okay. And I hear another person and you hear a third person. And it's interesting that the opposing view I think they read the same article or something, because they all have the same answer to one of my same questions or one of my same topics. So it's a very strong belief and people are sticking to it. But for example, if I talk to somebody on the opposite end and they tell me the complete opposite belief, opposite view, and sorry, I'm losing my train of thought because I'm going into a different topic but they also believe it so strongly and so deeply. And I agree with them as far as what they believe is true to them. You know? And then I find myself looking at both sides, like you're both right because you both believe it and there's reasoning behind it that you believe.
0: Well, let's, let's go to like the most pressing issue, right? We have an election in what two months, something like that. And basically we're at a point we talked about this prior to the show is that like, I feel bad no matter how I vote. I do. I feel bad. It's like, I don't know either person, you know, personally, (laughs) right? They've both done things that have not been good. They've both done morally things. And it's like, I don't know. And then we get angry at our neighbors for how we vote when all we have are two options, really. I mean, you could vote libertarian, but uh, most likely it's not going to work. And I mean, it's just, it's just such a tough thing because it's like, what do I care more about? You know, do I care more about maybe the economy of my business or do I care more about, you know, uh, social programs, you know, or whatever? Mm. And it's just, it's harder to 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 do that. It's like, so are you going to judge me for, like, I've had someone actually attack me because I like some memes. Yeah. I think they're funny. And I literally think <laughs> they're, they're just, they're, I just think they're funny. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not Trump or Biden. I'm the, I'm neither. I'm independent, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's the most like, non-label you can do but it's just such a tough time when it's like the system was built and it's like built to cause discourse
1: it's built to separate people into believing a black or white system a black or white belief a black or white this for example i have a friend who's a trump supporter but is not allowed to vocalize that they are to also support black lives matter because if you're a trump supporter you automatically don't support black lives matter which isn't true but, you, but that person is hardcore Trump and hard and just can't vocalize it,
0: you know? That, that's and that, hard, that's yeah, not, when you suppress opinions. It's not fair. Yeah. And it doesn't help so the you conversation. Can
1: you can be, I would love for the economy to be great. I would love for people to have a universal health care or some type of a health care that works for everyone. I would love for, you know, immigration to be, to have some type of reform to it to make it fair and equal and I mean we have the best the best systems the best technology the best in the world we have ways of finding out if this person coming into America is good or bad I know we do instead of just automatically judging an entire country of people because where they want to come from that they're automatically murders whatever rapists whatever our current you know person has said about people and and Yet they're also the backbone of this country as immigrants in this country. So let's pick us, let's pick, let's pick here. Are they good people? Are they rapists? So if they're good people, if they're rapists, then I guess you shouldn't eat any food, should not go to any restaurants, shouldn't, you know, nothing. Any
0: of the service industry, yeah. Any of the service and labor industry.
1: Absolutely.
0: It Absolutely. is. It is weird. And then still uh, with immigration, that's key. Is just understanding that still a person, it's still a family trying Absolutely. to make a better place for their kids. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they come here? And then, you know, then then they come here and it, I don't understand the process. I was born here, so I was very lucky. I just became a citizen because of birth. Right. Yeah. I, I probably couldn't pass the uh, citizenship test. I heard it's actually pretty yeah. tough, <laughs> Like, you know, the history of it. So it's not easy. It's not. I
1: actually helped my husband study for his. Before we got married, he became a citizen March 2013. We got married in July of that year, and I was helping him. I mean, this guy listened to a CD of information for weeks driving, because he used to drive all over town for work, just to be able to pass this test,
0: mm
1: -hmm. you know, and and he... and, and he came when he was 16 and didn't get it until seven years ago. So it took a long time to get his citizenship and that's doing everything right. If there's one single paperwork, not signed, not initial, not something that kicks your paperwork back years,
0: yeah, years. I, I can't imagine thousands that process. of
1: dollars times lawyer fees times. I mean, it is, and this is while living in America. So imagine somebody who's trying to come to America, what that even looks like for them. Mm. You know, I know that there's illegal immigration, I get the illegal to make it sound negative and they're illegal, it's not legal, against the law, against the rules. Well, if there was a proper system being in place, then wouldn't that word illegal be more like in process instead of illegal?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that would be better, right? Yeah,
1: or bring them through. Hey, whoever comes to the border, do a thorough background check on that person. We have the technology, we have the system, we have a way, because there has to be something out there that can do something to help them, especially if they come with all their paperwork. Like if they come with their Mexican passport, let's talk about Mexico and US, easiest topic. They come with a Mexican passport, Mexican driver's license, all their legal paperwork, and they want to become a citizen, then how, why, would, why would we not give them a chance? Give them some type of help because they're trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's it. But if they're coming across and they're, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe someone's coming with, with nothing. All they have is the shoes on their feet and clothing on their back. I don't agree with locking them up in cages or the children in cages. Mm-hmm. I believe we can find a way We just need to do something that's human, that's treating them like humans and not like animals. That's it. I'm not asking for anything more, even if they have to send them back. Like my friend said, what do you think they should do with the children? You know, they can't bring them to America. I said, that's fine. Put them on a bus, find a church. If they don't have parents, take them to a church in Mexico or a convent with nuns or whatever, and we'll try to find them, their families but us keeping them at the border in cages is not doing anything. At least a family can go to a church in Mexico and look for their kid there. I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I I had these crazy solutions in my head, but I just know that keeping them where we're keeping them now is not a solution.
0: Mm -hmm. And it is weird because like, you know, my experience with, you know, I I see a lot of illegal immigrants is like, um, in the healthcare environment, they pay cash to see me. You know like they're they're not able to get preventative care and when they do actually come they're actually very sick um mm-hmm. i've seen they like come a kid, when they are at
1: their like like end
0: yeah because they try to just push through it right mm-hmm. until and i had a kid one time he was like god he was like 17 or something but he's on dialysis because his kidneys oh. blew out from strep throat that was untreated so he had strep throat for a long time could have been very easily treated and then now he's going to be on dialysis the rest of his life unless he gets a transplant so it's like you know, so that's not sad. good, you know, right? There's, there's so many instances that just, it kind of breaks your heart.
1: Uh, absolutely. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's a dilemma even Americans have. I'm sorry to say, even if you're a legal citizen, yeah. that's a dilemma even a legal citizen has in this country. So that says a lot about the system in this country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it is really sad. It's really, yeah. really sad that we're the greatest nation and uh, people can't get treated, whether you're legal or not.
0: Yeah, I think the first step is just having empathy with any, any problem, you know, empathy first, second is just admit that we can be better. Yeah. You know, don't, don't stay. let's not sit in our ways and be like, I think America's done some great things and some horrible things too, but like, let's, what can we do just to be better? What can we do to improve and progress, you know, and that instead of arguing again about the problem, if, if it exists or not, let's just say, well, let's just improve it. Yeah. And then we can work together. I'm a solution person. I'm
1: like, this is a solution. Let's try it. Let's try yeah, it. Like let's once. just try it. Like, let's, let's try it. Okay, if we can't keep them, then let's send one bus full of 20 kids, send them somewhere safe. Once they're at safety, say, hey, we have 20 kids. These are the pictures or whatever. You can show paperwork claiming or a picture or something. Just, Just try anything. I'm all about trying something, any solution.
0: Than staying stuck in the ways,
1: right? Yes. Yes.
0: And so it took your husband a long time to get citizenship. So he had to work like jobs and get a a visa. He was
1: legal. He wasn't illegal. He had his permanent resident card so he can work and do everything. Absolutely. Okay.
0: But just not the full citizenship. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I I was in the military and I met a lot of guys. That's why they joined is they were able Mm -hmm. to get their citizenship. Right. Yeah. So like you have a lot of hardworking people that come here. Like, yeah. I mean, that's basically anyone that comes here is working their butt off and trying to create a, a good environment for their family. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, all of us came from immigration, basically, yeah. right? Almost all of us, except Native Americans. At one point um, or
1: another, yeah.
0: Yeah, even okay. even Native Americans, they talked about come through Alaska over time and stuff like that. But so, uh, like my family came through Ellis Island.
1: I mean, you know, they came
0: in through, through the boats, right? And that's how, like my last name, is L-E-V, V V as in Victor, and that's actually not, that letter doesn't exist in the Polish language. But when you say it, it's Lewandowski, is what it looks like, but it's actually Lev for the Polish language, so that's why it was was changed because of, of when they came over. And i'm just yeah, thinking like a lot of
1: people had to change their names
0: yeah and even back then there was like a lot of you know hate or or animosity towards the immigration immigrants then you know the mm-hmm. polish irish italian they had to work really hard and they got the oh, crappy yeah. jobs and they had to build the dams and all these you know all this yeah. infrastructure and they weren't treated well and it's really weird they're like we don't we need to like change that view you know, especially like with the amount of up.
1: interracial marriages that are happening in this country Mm -hmm. and inner fit inner inner culture marriages that are happening in this country it's very rare not rare i mean i don't maybe i'm wrong but i see a lot more like you know black marrying white mexican marrying white middle eastern marrying white all of us are marrying each other at this point so that whole immigration word is going to change one day Mm -hmm. it really is going to change because the of all the countries in the world this is the country that doesn't really have the word immigration shouldn't have the word immigration stamped on it in a way because this country is is just full of the full of the world you know you go to egypt primarily what 90% egyptians let's pretend it's 90% egyptian right then there are immigrants because it's not a it's 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 an egyptian country but america america's americans that's not blonde hair blue eye it's not blonde hair, you know, green eyes. It's, it's, it's Egyptian, it's Mexican, it's Black, it's Puerto Rican, it's white, it's African, Asian, everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, there's no label to this country. No, no, um, what's it called? Like, we're just Americans.
0: Yeah, we, we just assimilate. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Yeah. it, it, is, it is. There's what no, make, there's no American America. blood,
1: like Egyptian blood. I'm 100% Egyptian blood. My k- husband is 100% Armenian by blood,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? There's not, a, there's not an American blood.
0: Yeah. And I think what's really nice about you guys and your family is that you're showing the American dream. It's not really the white picket fence, right? The American dream is, is starting a business, having a family and thriving. If you put in the hard work you're gonna get that good outcome. You know, you're yes. you talking about your husband and then even you, I mean, you guys are pulling all day shifts of being basically a mom and then being a the business owner, right? Yeah. You are talking about that 8.30 a.m. he's gone. He doesn't come back till mm. one in the morning. Yeah. You know, like, Oh yeah, there
1: was times where he would come back 2.30, three, four in the morning. I mean, I had my girlfriends teasing me and they're like, is your husband really working? I'm like, yeah, Have you guys see what he looks like when he comes home, what he smells like when he comes home, the quality of clothes he has on when he comes home? he's physically busting his butt you know himself you know right alongside like my husband has worked so hard and he owns a business and he does he'll he'll work around alongside you know these quote immigrants that you know people don't want in this country or have something negative to say he's shoulder to shoulder with these men doing everything he can with them for them alongside to them you know a big part of worrying about the business as he thinks about his employees he thinks about their families he thinks about their livelihood you know when you own a business in america you're not thinking about just your home and your kids you're like i have x amount of employees i have people I they have families they have kids they have a sick mom they have a this they have a that those are things he thinks about
0: Mm-hmm. I think you the know, small yeah, business owner big is, big is so important right the small yeah. business is what is the backbone of the country you know it's not all wells fargo and bank of america and all these big corporations like most of it are the mom and pop shops that are just trying to make it yeah. and like even at, our, at my urgent care I work at six locations and my boss is a doctor owner and he's always there you know like mm-hmm. um, he supports all of us because he's like if I make bad decisions that's going to impact you know Close to hundred employees or something, right? Like yeah. that's that's not easy. I can't imagine mm-hmm. the stress. Would your husband say it was worth it? Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. absolutely worth it. it. The only thing he wishes he would have kind of known what he knows sooner. But I mean, everybody wishes that in their life, right? Oh yeah, hindsight. You know what you know sooner if you know you that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's hardworking. He's loyal. He's he, he even says there's not enough. If there was more hours in the day, I'll work them. There's more hours in the day, I'll work them.
0: How do you balance uh, the, like the fun time and kind of family time with that?
1: Well, Sundays for the past about year and a half, he's gotten Sundays off, which is new to our family because for the first like six years of our marriage, he worked seven days a week. And so um, on Sundays we do, he's actually been trying working earlier. So he'll go to work um, instead of, working after work continue on projects he has after work he'll go earlier so he's been working earlier and trying to come home earlier so we have like evening family time or at least family dinner together
0: he also is a
1: type of person that he is when he's home he's home and when he's sitting with the kids there's nothing else in the world that's happening except him sitting with the kids that's it Sundays. From the minute he wakes up until the minute he puts them to bed he's with the kids so even if they're like sometimes i'm just like okay take your ipads and go you know they're still cuddled up around him with the ipads because they're just surrounding him mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he is very present when he's home which makes up for the time that he is gone yeah, that's I about think, the thing I, that he makes you know
0: it's not the quantity it's of time it's the long quality long. of time
1: Yes. And I think I've learned that from him because I, I, I used to think, Oh, I'm a stay at home mom. I have all the time in the world to build relationships with my kids. I just used to, you know, I used to stay busy with the housework and the house, this and the laundry and cooking and kind of just be in my own world. And the kids, you know, kind of just surround my world. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, <clears throat> that's how I grew up. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Like I try to prep everything before I pick them up from school. Um, Put it this way, I have an hour-by-hour schedule every day of my life, except Saturday and Sunday-ish. But I have a schedule every day during this time, and this time I know what I'm doing in order for me to be productive by the time I pick them up from school so I can be present until I want to cook dinner. So I give myself a good two and a half, three hours of present time from when I pick them up until dinner is either prepped and just ready to put in the oven or fry or whatever, grill, or um i cook then that's it that's awesome. so it's hard i mean we both manage differently and we manage together and sometimes we manage there we're both home but i am managing the kids or he's managing the kids because we also need praise so it's it's a lot
0: well you, you <laughs> just, just in our podcast today like you could tell you're happy
1: thank you and I you am. can tell
0: that you know your family is is doing well. And you've had to Thank go through you. so much. And this is what we do is we, we interview people that just have a story. Yeah. You know, Cause everyone's struggling with something. Everyone has adversity to come over. And then like, when you see someone thriving and doing well, it's like, you give hope, you give hope to other moms, you give hope to other wives, you give hope to, you know, other families that are trying to make a business work. And sure. balance like being a good parent as well as being Thank productive. You. Like it's not easy to do that. Um, no. That's you know, something I've
1: actually have, um, the first few weeks of COVID, I was on this tight, tight, tight schedule with the kids, first eight to ten weeks. And then after that, once they extended COVID, I kind of lost hope and got exhausted and just, you know, kind of let everything down. And now I'm back on a schedule and I get so much done every day and so much gets happens every day to make I mean this is probably another podcast we can do one day where I just help moms, you know, with minimum minim, being minimalistic being organized, being scheduled, having a routine to make your life so much easier. And that's what's given me the the smile on my face today comes from life, comes from my children. It comes from my own personal growth and organization and having such a nice schedule that I follow and don't have to worry about, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I well, we've been on about an hour. So
1: we have.
0: Is there anything talking
1: to you? Yeah,
0: good. I'm glad you came on, Hebba. It's wild to see um, how far life changes yes, <laughs> you know, know. In, in 10 years. Um, I don't look 20 like I used to. I mean, I know you say it. I think it's I a lighting. I
1: think you do. I think it's a
0: lighting. But <laughs> so um great. no, I appreciate having you on. Is there anything else you wanted to like leave listeners with or moms or
1: just let me th- that's actually a really good question. Let me put a minute of thought into it.
0: Yeah, no worries. I, I'll tell our listeners. So basically with our these podcasts that go to all platforms, we have like six, seven audio platforms you can listen to. iTunes, Spotify, Google. Uh, we're on Amazon podcast now. You can go to our website, www.jakdpod.com. Um, leave comments and messages on our social media. We have Facebook, Instagram, uh, what topics you want to hear, uh, what we can do better. Um, and that way we can just provide more for our listeners. We actually just all the shirts were given to all the um people who bought them over 130. And then all the proceeds went to St. Jude's Children's Research. Amazing. So that was that was really cool to to see that because you know it's our way of giving back. Like we haven't made a dollar from this podcast. It's all about helping others. And if we help one person, it's worth it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because like, you know, in the hardest times, I'll, you know, I hear someone else needs a meal or someone else needs help or this or that and as soon as i go and do something for that person anything that i felt melts away something i'm upset about goes away so just know that there's so much love in doing for others lifting others carrying others you know because when you do something for someone else and you're doing it for yourself not selfishly but you're doing it to heal something within yourself to help yourself so go out do something beautiful somewhat for someone today buy someone a cup of coffee, buy your wife flowers, get your husband, you know, make his favorite meal. Um, I read this thing yesterday where this lady visited her friend and she told her, oh, my husband wants to eat a lasagna, but I don't really feel like making it. And she was, you know, and her the other one's husband has, had just passed away. And she was like, make the lasagna, make it. Because one day you'll wish you can make that lasagna for him. And so if you know that someone likes or wants something or they enjoy something or puts a smile on that, their face, even just a text, do it. Because one day you might not be able to. And trust me, it's so fulfilling to do that for someone else.
0: Yeah, so give that a yeah. well, well said, so have a, it's been a pleasure. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you so much for being on.
0: And thanks for giving me hope about having a happy family and balanced life. You You give me hope. You give me hope. You'll
1: be great, Dad. You will. will. All
0: right. Well, bye, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another can't miss episode of Just a Couple Dudes or Jacked podcast. We're new on Twitter, so please give us a follow at at JAKDPod. On Instagram, you can follow us at jakd_podcast, underscore podcast. And we have a new YouTube channel set up at Just a Couple Dudes, and that's couple with a K. We also have a website, JAKDPOD.com, with a new store set up where you can check out our merch and other fun items that we're going to be putting up. So please give us a follow, check out our website, and tune in for the next podcast that we'll be releasing shortly. Thanks.